Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I turned on captions on my TV, but then they didn't turn on for Netflix. But then I turned on captions for Hulu and they turned on everywhere. How the heck do I make captions only show up where I want them to? And how do they work anyway? Confused? Don't be. Let's help you know a little more about captions. It's Noah Little More's first two-time guest. Please welcome back Andy Beach, author of Video Compression Handbook and Video Engineer and Architect at Microsoft. Welcome back, Andy. Hey, Tom. Good to see you again. Good to have you back. Uh, after reading an email about the confusion caused by captions settings on my show, Cord Killers, Andy Beach was nice enough to send us an email about how they work, and then even nicer enough to agree to record all of that again for no a little more. Thank you, Andy. Well, the the reality was, as I was trying to answer it, I realized that it was way more than you were ever going to be able to legitimately read in an email on Cord Killers. So I thought it, it might make sense to just record one of these. Yeah, no, this is fantastic. You will get the email in the show notes for this episode uh, as well. The way you started the email, and I think the way we'll start this explanation, is there are some facts to know about captioning in order to understand how it applies to the modern world of set top boxes and Apple TVs and all that. Yeah, absolutely. And and I'll uh I think the the best place to start is to sort of reiterate that this is a fairly modern problem we're thinking about here. Captions in any form for television weren't even thought of until really 1970. That that was sort of the first time where uh, it was being explored. Uh, the, it, and it, interestingly enough, it was it was really things around the moon landing that made people realize that they, they were going to need ways to uh, share with with people that either are hard of hearing or in spaces where you weren't going to be able to see lips or other other places. So that was sort of kind of the where it started at. And one of the first things I always try to describe to people or explain is that the reason they are called closed captions is because they aren't open all the time. The idea is that they there is a notion of something called an op open caption, and those work exactly the way subtitles do, where they're just always on the screen. They're sort of persistent. They also are some kind sometimes referred to as burned in credits mm. um, or is burned it, in captions. Now, now, when you say subtitles, like when I go to a movie, the subtitles are in the film. That's an open caption. Is that what you're talking yeah. about? Exactly. What if about when I turn on subtitles for like a Korean drama or something? So when you when you have to turn it on, then that is that is a closed that That's is considered closed. part okay. of the closed caption. Gotcha. Uh, so there really is an open caption. That's amazing. So that means that it, it is there and it's present, but it's not it's not ever present. You, I have to physically go enable it. It can be way. closed. Exactly. Hence closed captions versus yep. they're always open is the open caption. 
Yep. And then the, the next the next thing to, to start thinking about or, or uh, describing is that, you know, our our video signal and the way that we watch TV has dramatically changed, particularly since the, those early since the 70s, even uh, things have have radically changed uh, at that time. Everything was an analog broadcast signal. Uh, an analog broadcast signal has areas of the video that aren't aren't ever shown on screen. And so when captions were first designed and added to signal, they just they reused portions of that of that video area in order to add in the captions uh, into the the horizontal lines, the scan lines that were used to deliver that broadcast signal. And then that the they had decoder boxes that would be added to a television that would that would know how to take and and interpret those uh lines and to convert it into something that could be overlaid on the screen so uh for 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 kids who don't know uh used to be when you turned on the tv uh it would depend on the TV how much of the picture you saw. I remember hooking up an old TI computer to an old black and white television, and it didn't show enough of the scan lines for me to see the prompt when I was typing in, you know, I was programming yep. in BASIC, whereas a newer TV did. So that's what we're talking about. When there, it wasn't like you could just kind of adjust the picture and see the captions. There was just part of the signal that was never displayed. If I have that right. Yeah, that's and it, it's it's down to a lot of uh, there's a lot of reasons as to to why it is that way, but but there are there is a need for for there to be basically be sort of an overscan like a or buffer, a notion yeah. of right video an area that's just not going to show up, and then uh, engineers have been very clever about how that area gets repurposed to add ancillary data, and so for this uh the captions uh, definitely falls into that area it's part of the vertical ancillary or the bank uh and it is part of uh and it also gets referred to as line 21 because those are literally the lines the scan lines that that content lived on uh as as part of that you couldn't see them if you could right. get all the scan lines right they were encoded in their and had to exactly be right. And if you ever saw a digital, just a, like an MPEG encoding of old broadcast signal, you might see several lines at the top of the video. And it looks like there's very fast little white bits of garbage that are maybe just moving around. That's the text, but it's been it's compressed and 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 it's uh, broken up into lines. And it's not until it's reconstituted through a system where it's it's really legible. So your VCR tracking could uncover the code. Absolutely. <laughs> Kids, ask your parents. All right. Uh, so that's not what we do anymore because there are no analog broadcasts anymore, at least in most countries. We, we've moved on to digital. Yeah. So analog broadcast in the U.S. ended in 2009. Um, but there were obviously uh, digital systems that were coming online before that. And as part of that, they recognized they needed to change the way uh, captions worked. They moved to this new system from the 608 was the system that describes those analog closed captions. They moved to 708. And 708 was a digital version of that. So this is ATSC compliant, digitally encoded captions, which immediately gives you a, a lot of uh, sort of extra benefits. Because literally we were going with sort of optical information before, it was always going to be white text on a, on a black line. And that's how captions uh, were displayed. Because this was digital information that was now embedded into the file in some way or in the signal in some way, 
you could actually make it bigger or move its placement on the screen or make it a different color. And so that's Comic where sands exactly. And so, so that, that became uh, the, the new path forward. Uh, and so part of the, part of the impeg transport stream is literally this uh, sort of small uh, 9,600 bit amount of information that's used to, to transmit uh, all of the timed text information along with the signal. So it makes sense to me that, you know, when, when closed captioning first came along, uh, they had to figure out how to fit it into an analog signal that had already been developed. But when we developed digital transmissions in 2009, you're like, oh, it's digital. We can, we don't have to figure out how to encode it. We can just encode it, uh, in the transport stream. So of course, obviously that means because digital broadcasting is digital, uh, that we just use the same system on the internet, right, Andy? <laughs> Exactly wrong. Thank you for uh, teeing it up so perfectly. Yeah, no, the, you know, because these were still ultimately broadcast technologies and the, the way, even in, in the, uh, even the way that we consume content uh, through OTT apps or um, our computers today is, is still transmitted in a different way. So, so those systems don't inherently understand 708 captioning or know how to parse it uh, to, to make it part of that system. So it, it becomes the job of the encoding platforms, the thing that we talked about in, in the last time that we talked, to be able to take that 708 data and turn it into something that's called TTML, which is a, a time text markup language. It's literally a, a variant uh, of uh, HTML that was specified by W3C. And uh, it basically is is the online version of 708 uh, signaling uh, so that you can take all of that data, keep it cl- as closely aligned to the time as possible and put it into a format that any application or any, any media playback device should be able to understand and interpret so that you can then turn on and off captioning. Would better planning have allowed the same system to be used in both, or is digital broadcasting just different enough that you have to have two different ways of doing it? Um, I think the the reality is uh, because TVs are a more closed ecosystem, meaning that TVs all follow the same specs in order to guarantee uh, you know performance and playback and similar pictures and other things. Whereas the computers and and the online delivery of video tends to be more of a wild west. You don't know if it's a phone or a a Roku stick or just a web browser or something else. And so it becomes a little harder to to plan for that. So I I think the reality is we would have needed something that was a defined standard by by the likes of W3C in order to to make this uh, to make this work. Um, but I, I think they did it in a fairly smart way. It, it did take a long time. Now, the the standards for TTML didn't come around until like 2015. So there were there were a lot uh, of so years. So digital that TV we were... couldn't sit around and wait. They had to they had to just do their own thing. That exactly. And, yeah. and and so there were a lot of variants that sort of popped up in the early days that around different ways that it was done. But more or less, everyone has sort of coalesced and into the the sort of this the TTML style. For, for how these uh, get added. And and there's still a couple of different ways, but by and large, they, they work that way. Uh, and uh, I think it was even HBO and uh, Netflix won an Emmy uh, in 2015 
for the the sort of the design specs that go into captioning and and subtitling for internet based devices. So we so because the internet was the wild west, uh, digital TV had to just go its own, come up with its own thing. Yeah, uh, and eventually the internet got around. Uh, to to trying seventeen different <laughs> flavors of captioning until HBO and Netflix uh, get their Emmy. Uh, at that point, has now everybody converged onto TTML? By and large, yes. Uh, I think you you'll still find probably some systems that are are slight outliers, and the the one area where where there may be uh, changes in particular, uh, as we look today, is um, we're looking at now real low latency. Uh, solutions uh, to get content to you even even faster, particularly for like live sporting events or or others. And anytime you change the speed at which the velocity that you're trying to to move the the video signal through the pipe to get it to in, into the internet, that that may change the way that you have to do a particular piece of it. So it it hasn't completely changed it today, but it 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 it's an area that needs consideration and and may adapt or or change over time. We're also looking now at you know we're starting to get powerful enough uh, computers uh, to to do the the playback uh, for us that sometimes you don't have to rely on captioning from the to be delivered as part of the the signal. You can turn it on, and and from your your computer itself can can just do a sort of speech to text translation. Uh, you know that this is a function that Teams has now had for for a little over a year. Where even though there's no closed caption in in that, uh, I can turn on transcripts and uh, keep the volume low, but but read the text of meetings that I'm sitting in. And and that's something that has improved leaps and bounds. Uh, you know, oh. everyone, everyone knows uh, back in the early YouTube days when you turned on auto captioning, it was not good, uh, not yeah. accurate. Uh, and, and everybody has come a long way. So, so you're saying that that's kind of the next wave to keep an eye out for is where you won't even need to rely on TTML. Machine learning and processing will get so good that anything can have captioning uh, right. as long as the exactly. computer can so on, you know, hear it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the 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 reality is there will probably always be some form of of captioning that gets delivered at, to the best of everybody's ability because it's often part of government mandated uh, guidelines. You know, here in here in the states, the FCC requires and mandates that uh, you know if you're producing content for commercial use, uh, even if it's delivered on just the internet, uh, it still needs some form of captioning uh, for accessibility. Um, other countries have very, very similar standards that, that go along this way. But the reality is that there will become a point where our computers probably do a better job of of captioning and summarizing what's going on for us than the track that is delivered as, as part of the, the event, particularly in a live scenario, because those live scenarios, sometimes it's automated captions and captioning. Sometimes it's still literally a person that's sitting and typing on a steno style machine to rapidly inject uh, the the content into a, a live feed. So to get to our our major frustration question that we had at the open of the show, why, you know, why does captioning not just turn on and turn off? Uh, why does it work differently from device to device, from app to app? Uh, I think everybody can sort of get that, oh, well, if it's broadcast TV, I get. It's a different system. Yep. Uh, but why is it that your captions on Hulu work differently than on Netflix? Or if you turn them on on your Roku, it doesn't turn them on for everything? Or, you know, why, why is it so confusing how it works? 
Yep. So when you get down to sort of when you when you take the digital TV aspect out of it and you're just looking at applications for for delivery over the Internet, uh, a lot of big media producers are going to create their own uh, their own media player. Now, I'm not saying their media app. Everybody's going to typically have their own app, but an app might use the default HTML5 player or some sort of default OS player that with on whatever stack. You're talking about the code inside the app that is allowing the video to play. There's an HTML5 standard player that's part of like Android, Windows, Apple specs that they, they create one. And by default, that's sort of the the basic one that and that's used, used inside apps, Windows not City. just inside websites. Yes, mm-hmm. uh, and and so that would be the first place. And so if if someone's just using that, turning it on at like a, an OS level, like if turning it on on my Roku or on my Apple TV or something else, would theoretically anything that's using that default media player would now just have captions turned on for it, and and would be rendering them and trying to play them back. The reality is, though, a lot of companies uh, want to control the experience beyond what a standard default player can provide. They can get a little bit better quality or a little bit faster uh, signal to the end user or a whole bunch of telemetry back from the player uh, that goes back to them that tells you how they how you interacted with the content. And when they do something like that, they're going to do they're going to create their own customized player. Now they they're probably not going to write their own from scratch, but there's a lot of companies that that create these out there and license them to others. And if you're using that, then the system defaults don't know how to turn them on for that, in which case it has to be something inside of the application itself that the devs have to to put in place to make sure that you can turn it on and off. And so that that's why you suddenly are now have three different levels of where it could be turned on, the television, the the device itself or the app itself and you have to have a little bit of knowledge around what the experience is like that the that they're creating to sort of guess which one it is by default in theory it should it should always work inside of the app but there's always going to be edge cases there so I, I guess you could think about it as uh, on, on your laptop, your default web browser. When you click a link in another piece of software that opens your default web browser, why there are all your bookmarks and then you're logged in to all the sites that you allow the browser to keep cookies on so that you stay logged in. But if you open a different web browser, let's say Opera's your default, but you, you go and you open Firefox, suddenly it doesn't know anything. It doesn't know you're logged into anything. It doesn't have any of those bookmarks. And and that's the equivalent of what's going on here, if, I, if I'm getting this right, is there's a player for the entire operating system. And gosh, if everybody uses the default player, then the settings stay the same. But if an app has rolled its own, well, the operating system doesn't know what's going on in that, defo- in, in that player, and neither do the other apps. Exactly. Well, that, that makes a whole lot of sense. Why doesn't everybody learn to share, Andy? Oh, if I could solve that, I'd I'd, uh, <laughs> I'd have a very different job. <laughs> uh, you might be out of a job. We wouldn't Very possible. Well, this I, I this has greatly helped me understand uh, captioning. I knew maybe a tenth of this or or less, uh, and now I have a great understanding of of how it works why it works differently on my broadcast television or my cable television versus uh, on the apps. And I think it creates a nice mental model for people where they can go, oh, that the captions aren't on in this. That's why. Yeah. And it just gives you like some some knowledge to help go troubleshoot this, too. Like this is an area that I know I've had 
multiple conversations, particularly with like parents or older friends uh, to help figure it out. Because frankly, we we all use captions a lot more now these days. You know, they it was originally literally designed as something for uh, for those who are either hard of hearing or, or have no hearing. But uh, even myself, we, you know, we now uh, watch so much international content that we use the captions a lot, even if they're speaking English, because it just helps us, you know, get through uh, dialects and, and other other elements. Yeah, it's funny you should mention that. Uh, we, we obviously use captions uh, for Korean and Chinese shows, Spanish shows, uh, German shows, stuff like that. And watching more of those kinds of shows has made me more likely to turn on captions when i'm say watching raised by wolves which is in english uh but sometimes they just move a little fast or there's noise in the neighborhood because i'm watching it in the day or whatever and it just just sort of becomes a second lifeline as well as being essential for somebody who has a hearing impairment or no hearing at all uh to be able to just understand what's going on yep absolutely and and my daughter when she was learning to read uh wanted the captions on constantly whenever we were uh, watching things because it was a, a an easy way for her to get in some some reading lessons. Yeah, a lot of the Chinese shows they just have captions on all their shows. Uh, they may be open captions, as a matter of fact, because uh, there are so many dialects that they want to make sure that everybody watching understands, even if they they don't really understand the accent uh, of the person in the show. And so when we have the English captions on, sometimes they'll show up over the Chinese characters that are burned yeah. in. That totally makes sense. Yeah. Well, thank you, Andy, uh, for helping us understand this. If, if folks want to uh, follow you, find out more about what you've got going on, where should they go? Sure. Uh, on Twitter, uh, they can find me uh, at Andy Beach. Uh, that's probably the the easiest way. Uh, and uh, yeah, uh, other than that, I, I'm just around uh, looking for new cocktail ideas and solving video problems. Excellent. Uh, well, folks, I hope that brings a little more understanding to your world. In other words, I hope now you know a little more about captions. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.